Thanks so much for coming in. You've come in to talk to us today about how you can help us as drivers, and we'll come on to that in just a minute. First of all, can you outline the work that you do for us? Well, I'm a road traffic defence solicitor, and we offer services to motorists who face motoring offences in the magistrates' courts, in the Crown Court. Uh, We offer advice before charge, and we offer representation at the court. So you're the person that when we go through a speed camera and do that, oh no, oh no, was there any film in the camera? You're the person that can help us. Yes, that's call a Riga advocate's time, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, in, in the nicest possible way, it's lovely to meet you, but I kind of hope I never have to meet you in those circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> I do apologise. Um, it's all about fairness isn't it? Because you're not after getting people off convictions because some of the serious nature as to what you do, we're going to come on to a little bit later on. It's not about Mm. um, pushing forward. Yes, you can do this and we'll help you get away with it. It's about tackling the fairness issue, isn't it? It is. I I think motorists have got an unlevel playing field and I'd like to even that playing field up for motorists that's what we do I've got the book defend your license for people who want to represent themselves that helps them it gives advice on how to represent themselves in court and it's all about trying to create a more level playing field for the motorists having said that if you're innocent of an offence we're also there to defend that and get the acquittal that is justly deserved. Mm-hmm. What's the demand like? Is there a particular time of year where you see this spike? No. Motorists commit offences all year long and all different types of offences. It, it's difficult to say which are the most common offences because there are so many offences out there. But at the moment, one of the highlighted offences would be drug driving that's coming into the fore due to the new drug drive offence that came in uh, last year. And and that's one of the, well, I would imagine the most serious thing that we, we can talk about today. In terms of drug driving, it's zero tolerance. It is. On illicit drugs such as cannabis, cocaine, heroin, the, the limits have been set at a zero tolerance. For example, in cannabis, it's, it's two micrograms in 100 millilitres of blood. That is very difficult if you've taken cannabis to actually be below. And if you're a regular user, then you're virtually always going to be above that limit. I know we read about it in the news all the time about people who use prescription drugs, Mm. although use cannabis for medical use. And is there any defence for that? If if you're prescribed uh, a medical drug, there is a defence as long as you're complying with the instructions and the doctor's instructions as well as the written instructions. If you're not, you will still be guilty of the Mm offence. In relation to cannabis generally, it doesn't matter what you're using it for and whether you feel you've got a justified use for it. It's an an illicit drug and it's, it's levelled at a zero tolerance level. Um, at two micrograms, uh, science, scientific research shows that you're not actually impaired in driving. You're impaired at about five. 
but the excess alcohol level is 35 and that is 35 in breath and that is a level at which you will be impaired so there's a disparity in the law mm -hmm. and if you want there's a disparity in the fairness in which it's applied because one's not impaired and the other is mm -hmm. and it makes it very difficult for the courts to sentence because they sentence on the level of impairment Ooh, it's it's a tricky territory isn't it it is it really it's, is it's a difficult one mm. talking now about speed cameras now mm. this is something i think most people unfortunately will be able to relate to now we've all got mm -hmm. our reasons for speeding i've been on a speed awareness course and mm -hmm. the minute i sat in that room everybody around me was really really cross and i thought you know what i've done the crime i've got to do the time mm. So it's one of them, isn't it? It's your attitude mm. towards it. And I've been caught since as well. Um, mm. I was caught on a mobile speed camera. So it's police at the side of the road with, uh, I'm going to call it a speed gun, because I think that's what mm. it is. Yeah. Is it different, the penalty for that, than uh, a regular yellow box speed camera? No, there's no difference in penalty. The penalty is based on the speed that you're travelling at above the limit. So the penalties are graded according to the speed. So generally, if you were 30 miles an hour over the speed limit, you're probably looking at a disqualification for that. Mm. It carries three to six point speeding. Most people think it only carries three. It doesn't. And it carries a potential disqualification, which most people aren't aware of. But there's no difference between the type of camera that they're using. Whether or not evidentially it can create more difficulties improving the speed, that's that's a different matter. Um, if you've got a handheld speed camera, there's more likely to be errors uh, that you can pick up on and challenge if you've got a handheld. In relation to the fixed yellow box cameras, uh, you should always do the checks to make sure that they're accurate. And there's a very easy check of counting the, the white space bars over the the time that it's taken you to cross and and you'll see whether that camera's accurate from doing that and we've come across cameras that aren't and we've immediately written to the police and the fences have been withdrawn because I, I I seem to remember what previously many years ago I had a, a yellow box fixed camera speeding mm. fine and you know you get the photograph as well of you doing it so there's no disputing in a lot of cases that it is you, unless you're a twin, I would imagine, mm. which I'm not. The second time when I got this mobile speed camera offence, there's no evidence in terms of photograph. Mm. Do you have cases where people say, I can't remember who was driving. Me and my wife, we take it in turns to pick the kids up from school. I've no idea what happened that day. Mm. I'm tired. What happens with speed cameras, uh, they're digitally monitored now and the information will be fed into the computer at, at the traffic process office and they will immediately issue what we call a section 172 notice, which is a request for the driver information. That goes to the registered keeper and really as a registered keeper, you're supposed to know who's driving your car at any one time. You must name uh, the driver. If you don't, that's an offence in itself, which carries six points. If you don't name drivers and you try to get away with the speeding, you can very quickly hit your 12 points. Mm. 
and lose your license. There are defences possible to that, but it's actually quite a complicated area. I would say get advice. Mm. Let's have a look at the evidence and let's see whether or not you fall within one of the defences that are available. Because I can imagine that there are genuine cases in this. Mm. I know there there will be people out there saying, well, you know, if we can't prove who it is, then Mm. maybe that's how we can kind of wriggle out of it. But Mm. there are genuine cases where people do share cards. one, One of the most common cases that we've got is where people haven't received the notice. Um, And that's becoming a very difficult area because at the moment there's a bit of a dispute over the case law as to whether uh, there's a postal uh, presumption that if if it's been posted first class within two days, you're deemed to have had that delivered. But if you haven't had it delivered, and we all know of posts going astray, going to other people's houses, and, and when you hit that scenario, it's very difficult. It's supposed to be a rebuttable presumption, but we've faced very recently a number of cases where the courts are saying, no, it, it's not, and you're deemed to have had it, whether or not you have. Legally, we don't think that's the case, but but it needs to be challenged. Mm. Again, another tricky one, isn't it? It is. It's a, and very, very upsetting because people genuinely feel, but I didn't get it. How can I respond to something that I didn't get? Mm. Um, and the courts don't seem to be very sympathetic with people at the moment. It's just everyday stuff, isn't it? And, and that's yeah. why you're there for everyday people that this happens to, because we're not all out there you know, speedy guns are this left, right Mm. and centre and deliberately trying to wriggle out of convictions. Mm. We're just normal people trying to go Mm. about our business and actually normal things happen like your post doesn't come because of the snow. Mm. Yes. (laughs) Which we've been on the receiving end of quite a bit, haven't we, in 2018. Uh, With recent weather conditions then, it's sort of come to my attention quite recently. A few of my friends have been on the receiving end of this, potholes. Now, Mm. I know many people could talk about potholes until all of the cows have come home. However, when it affects your vehicle and your driving, if there's damage to your vehicle and you Mm. didn't cause it, nobody else caused it, it's the cause of the road itself being Mm. unfit for purpose, where do we stand legally? This this isn't a field that we deal with in in depth, uh, but generally the council have a duty of care for the highways and for the users. They would be liable for any damage caused. I think the difficulty would be proving uh, that that particular pothole has caused the damage and it's important that if you do receive damage immediately you start to take photographs you get the garage that's done the repair to actually explain what's happened and why and that will be some evidence that would corroborate your evidence and and I think that's essential for you to get a successful claim uh, against the council Um, but the warning about potholes if you have a road with potholes you should be slowing down for the potholes. If you're swerving around potholes and have an accident, if you're going too fast and your car veers off because of a pothole, you you may struggle with the defence if you're not driving with those in mind. 
And there are so many at yes. the moment to contend with, I think. Yes, met quite a lot on my journey yeah. today. <laughs> They're unavoidable. And I think it's you know, it because of the bad weather that we've experienced. Yes. We know how potholes are caused. We can't work quickly enough to keep up with the beast from whichever direction mm. he's coming from at mm. the moment, can we? The other thing about weather conditions as well, and with everyday life getting in the way, we know or is it a myth when we come to things like getting our cars serviced or mot there's this myth of a grace period no no there's there's no grace period the only uh defense you've got for something like say no mot is if you're actually traveling to a pre-booked appointment it's your responsibility to make sure that your car's uh, in a good condition and roadworthy and not presenting any danger and to be fair generally you do have plenty of time and plenty of notice if your car's not roadworthy and it needs to get to a garage then you, you should be getting it towed or transported mm. rather than driving mm. i think we all like to live in this sort of fantasy land of oh i think we still get a two-week grace period and i think that's one of yeah. those myths those urban legends yeah. isn't it if you've got um, a, a defect that a police officer comes across they can give you a notice to actually get the the vehicle fixed and that's 14 days and then you have to produce the evidence that you've had the repair done and the defects now remedied Shasha Silk 106.9